0: You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. Good morning, Real Life. How was everybody's Christmas? My blessings upon those that said nothing or muttered under their breath. Uh, we are closing up our Advent series. We always like to have a, that week kind of after Advent, traditionally not included, but we like to have it because you you get, you get spend all of Advent kind of doing arrival and anticipation, and then Jesus shows up, and there's Christmas, and then there's the week after Christmas. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Where it's just kind of this anticlimactic, like, what do you do now? So what happened the day after the shepherds were there and all of that, like... And then everybody left and the family was still like, no, you still can't come. I don't care what the shepherds said. You can't come, you know, you can't come inside. Um, what, do you, what do we do with, with, what do you do with Jesus in the aftermath of the Advent story? And um, I did something interesting last service. I kind of threw all my prep out the window and went somewhere else. And it worked out okay, I think. Uh, I true, I'm a big believer that the Holy Spirit works in preparation I'm also a big believer that sometimes the Holy Spirit says you didn't prep for this and you go with it. Um, I, had a, I had a real sense today that God was doing something in our midst in worship. At, was that worship? Was that well, something going on there or is it just me? Okay, good. Uh, yeah, I, there was some stuff that I feel like God was doing and so I was, I was kind of working through that and uh, I think God has some stuff for us this morning. I want to I talk about Mary I'm going to pray here in a moment, and uh, I don't usually pray at the beginning of sermons. First service, I said, I don't usually do that, assuming prayer, and people are like, really? Um, I want to pray in a moment, but I want to talk about Mary today, uh, which is a lose-lose because for those of you from a Catholic background, I'm not going to treat her with near the reverence that you're used to uh, or would prefer, and for those of you that aren't from a Catholic background, us Protestants, we don't talk about Mary at all. Because we'd rather not be Catholic at all, so heaven forbid we talk about Mary, we're just going to act like she's not there, like, you know, that kind of thing. So I want to talk about Mary, and I think there's something for us today, um, something that may, may not be expected or, I don't know, popular, I don't, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe not, I don't know, but we, we talk about God a lot from the masculine perspective, like that is how we talk about God. In fact, I was even raised in a ministry training that said, we don't do it enough. More masculinity. And that has not been my experience. Has not been my experience. Um, When God created humanity, he made them in the image of God. You remember this? Genesis chapter one? In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Like this this joint, like our humanity, we experience male and female. In that, God is represented. Like, God is all the beautiful things about masculinity, and God is all the beautiful things about femininity. And when he, when he, made, man, uh, when he made humans, he made them male and female so they could reflect that in his own unique divine plan. And, and so there's another side of God that we don't, we don't speak enough of the perspective from the feminine, from that divine feminine perspective. Uh, and I think there's something for us today, and, and I, and I want to preach on that. You guys okay with that? Good. Okay. Well, let me pray. Uh, God, I, I don't like to throw my prep out the window without coming to you first. Uh, and just I, I pray that you would do again what I believe you did in the first service, and that is that you'll take your word and that your Holy Spirit will come and breathe through your text. Um, if I'm at all correct, God, I believe your Holy Spirit was already here uh, doing all this work through worship. I, I even believe in a special way this morning. I, I don't know what you're up to. I don't know if it's one person that's here today that you have orchestrated this all for. I don't know if it's many of us. I don't know if it's every single one of us. I don't, I don't know. But I, I pray that your Holy Spirit would blow through the pages of your text which, which are on PowerPoint screens, and that, and that it would work, that he would work, that she would work uh, in our teaching today. So God, we, we love you. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Here we go. All right. Luke chapter one. You're like, you can't do this. Christmas is over. I don't care. Do it anyway. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in the Galil, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Yosef, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Miriam. Say, Miriam. Mary. The angel went to her and said, now listen, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Greetings, You who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Now, all throughout the Old and New Testaments, well, mainly Old Testament, uh, angels showing up have a pretty consistent reaction. People see angels, and what do they do? They freak out. I think I heard somebody say exactly what my words would be. They freak out. They fall on their face. They're full of fear and terror, like a pretty consistent reaction to angels, which I like it. It's consistent. And it, I, I guess it makes sense to me. I've never seen an angel, but I, I can imagine it must be a pretty terrifying experience. Mary has an angel come to her. Mary doesn't just have an angel. Mary has Gabriel. Now, we don't know a lot from the actual scriptures themselves, but see, the gospels seem to be playing off of uh, some, uh, some work in the, apoc- the Jewish apocrypha, and Gabriel would be like, like the chief, the alpha angel. Gabriel's the alpha angel that God sends. Nobody's laughing, but that's cool. Um, He's the one, like he's the the guy. So whatever, like an angel, like we're just seeing angels and people are freaked out. And Gabriel shows up. I can imagine, okay, so here's Mary, this timid little woman. What's her response? She's going to fall on her face in terror. Let's go. Next slide. Mary was greatly troubled at his words. And wondered at what kind of a greeting this could be. <laughs> I, I, I love that because troubled both of these troubled and wondered are great translations. The first one is very, it's not like it's not wondered. The first one is troubled. She's bothered. It has a negative connotation to it. Like she is perplexed. She's worked up. And she's wondering about what kind of a greeting this could be. So, first of all, I'm stunned. Because this woman is not doing what every single man has done in the scriptures when they find an angel, which is fall on their face in fear. She's like, mm, <laughs> hold on to that. Let's go back. I want to go back to his words. She was troubled at his words and wondered what kind. Now, just look at the greeting. It doesn't seem that complex to me. It seems like there's really two components, maybe three. Hello. Hello. Um, And then two components that are really just one component. Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. It seems like his greeting is, God is for you. Favor and God's presence. God is for you, Mary. And she is troubled. She is troubled by these words. It bothers her. And she wonders at what kind of a greeting this could be. So let's go to the next slide. Now, the angel, she says nothing that the text tells us. So the angel continues. Now, the angel could go anywhere. Like, if it was just kind of like a flippant greeting, like, hey, how are you? How's it going? He could just move right on. But he repeats himself. He could go anywhere. And the angel's like, you have to understand this. Look at his words. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found... Favor with God. This apparently is a big part of the angel's greeting. It also seems to be the part that Mary is troubled, bothered by. Let's keep going. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I am a virgin, Mary is more bothered by the angel's announcement of favor than she is a virgin birth. A lot of scholars have pointed out the difference in reactions between Zachariah, the great priest, and Mary. Do you remember Zachariah? He, he got struck mute because he, he, was, he was told no virgin birth. Your, your old wife is going to have a child, and he's like, how could this be? Assuming the negative. I don't believe it. And God's like, okay, then you won't talk until the child's born. Mary assumes the, look at her statement. It's her statement, how could this be? It's how will this be? Lots of scholars have pointed out the difference in the Greek. She assumes the positive. Really? Tell me more, since I've slept with no man. <laughs> I'm still perplexed, but she's more bothered by the angel's pronouncement of favor than she is the virgin birth. She's like, okay, I can go with the virgin birth. (laughs) What? But the favor? That bothers me. Let's keep going. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. To which I'm sure she responded, oh, that clears it up. Sorry, I'm going to need an explanation. Well, don't worry. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. Oh, well, of course. And the Holy One will be, uh, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. What? And then even Elizabeth, your relative is going to have a child in her old age. If I'm Mary, I'm like, whoa, what is going on in the world? Like, son of God, virgin birth, my, 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 my cousin Elizabeth is going to have it. Like, what? She's like, she's way old. Like, what? And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. One of the most stunning responses in all of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation that I've ever heard is right here. I am the Lord's, all, those last two paragraphs are full of Problems full of things that I wouldn't understand, let alone her or anybody else. And, and her response is, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled. And the angel left her. She essentially says, sign me up, I'm in. And the part of all of that that bothered her the most was the announcement of God's favor. Here's why. I believe God's favor has implications. And I think Mary understands that. God's favor comes with implications. The angel doesn't show up just to say, hey, guess what? God is for you. Have a nice day. (laughs) If God is for me, there are radical implications to God's favor. It means something's about to go down. And Mary understands this. Now, I, as I was prepping for this sermon this week, I realized I only practiced once, and I realized after the first time I practiced, I went, I am talking about Mary from a completely masculine perspective. It was all about adventure and calling, and God's got a job for Mary, and she's excited, and she's in, and I'm like, I think I'm doing this wrong. <laughs> so I started pulling all the women I could find this weekend. I talked to my wife. I sent some messages to some uh, female pastor friends of mine. And they gave me their perspectives. I started bugging all the ladies before church started this morning. I'd, always, I'd show up and I'd say, I have a theological question for you. Here's what I heard. The same response, but one verbatim response from over 80% of the women polled. The same response verbatim. Their quote, not mine. I said, what was Mary thinking? Why is she troubled? What is her thoughts? Exact words. Oh, crap. <laughs> uh, in fact, one, one, of them, one of them was a female staff member whose child was sitting right next to her and it was going, don't say that, don't say that. What happened to be the verbatim response of over 80% of the women that I polled. And so I said, talk to me more about that. And their explanations went one of two directions, all of them, no exception. One of them said, well, here's the problem. I'm not the favored one. I'm just along for the ride for the favored one. Because the men are the favored ones. And I'm just here to make the favored one's job go well. I'm just here to make the favored one's calling work out. I'm just along for the ride, but I'm not the one who's favored. The, the other direction was it came with a sense, and this, I think this is more our context than biblical context, but I think we ought to really consider this and listen to it and try to think about why. The other stretch came from a sense of exhaustion. Like, oh, no, no. What am I going to have to do now? I think there's something that Mary understood that very few men in the scriptures that encountered angels and the calling of God did. She understood the radical implications of God's favor. God is for me? How could God be for me? God, God is for me. Well well, what is this going to mean? And then she hears the virgin birth story, and she's like, "All right, I'm in." But she had an awareness. And listen to me, Mary is not dumb. Mary is very well trained in the scriptures, which, by the way, is a whole other question. How is that? In their, in their culture, we have very little evidence to suggest that women ever went past what's called Bet Sefer, which is the, the introduction to their education system. Women weren't trained in the larger text. Women had an extensive knowledge of the Psalms, and women maybe had a a knowledge of Torah, but they weren't trained in the rest of Tanakh. Mary will then quote a song, which we're going to look at here, in Luke chapter 2. Nope, the end of Luke chapter 1, excuse me. In fact, let's go ahead and throw it up there. Every line of this song, when she gets started, every line is a direct quote from the scriptures. A lot of Psalms which you're like, well, women would have known Psalms. Okay, then she quotes Habakkuk. So all of you men that might, thought, might have thought to yourself, well, of course they know the Psalms. Go ahead and start quoting Habakkuk to me. How does she know Habakkuk? And then she's quoting Samuel. By the way, she's referencing Hannah. <laughs> See, these aren't even, like, think about that, Hannah. Do, do we even know our text well enough to understand the Hannah story? Like, why is she quoting Hannah? Do you remember Hannah at the beginning of the story of Samuel? She's weaving together quotations that preach a sermon, and the kind of song she's. I couldn't do this. I've given my whole life to study the scriptures. I could not write a song right now and quote scripture and have it make even a little bit of brilliant sense. And she does. She is not uneducated. She's not ignorant. She's not stupid. She knows her Bible. Listen, listen to these quotations. Mary says, "My soul glorifies the Lord." My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. All these direct quotes. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Excuse me. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. Now she moves. There could still be, I believe, some allusions to Old Testament text But she now moves from direct quotations and she starts to add her own flavor and her own flair for her own context. She now starts to own this song and put her own merry trademark on it. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. She has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary is not ill-equipped. Mary is not... Weak. Mary is full of fire. And in fact, this understanding of God's favor and the calling that lands on her life gives her a resiliency that goes all the way through the pages of Scripture. A resiliency that is almost for her her and her alone, because nobody else is going to understand it, but she understands what God is up to in the world, at least in part. I'm sure there's so many things that she doesn't understand. Look at, look at the very next chapter, Luke chapter 2, we read this. When the angels left them, so the angels have come to the shepherds, and the angels have said, my paraphrase, there's a baby that's born, you got to go check it out. So the shepherds go to check it out. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told. Now, I, until this year, I was talking about, with Thad and Aaron about this sermon, uh, actually a, a sermon a couple weeks ago, too. And until this year, I had never, I had always assumed that the shepherds get up and go all throughout Bethlehem telling everybody. And the phrase spread the word, I did a word study on that word, that does mean to spread the word, but the text does not tell us that they go anywhere. So we have two possibilities. They either do get up and go all throughout Bethlehem, even though the text doesn't tell us that, and spread the word. Or there is a bunch of people gathered at the setting. Maybe because all these shepherds... Who have supposed to be watching the sacrificial sheep for the temple have all showed up, or maybe the cave and the stable is in fact in the bottom floor of a larger house. Maybe, but there's other people there, and the shepherds show up and they're like, "You guys have got to hear this story. We, we've got to tell you who this baby is." And it goes on to say, "All who heard it were amazed. All who heard it were amazed." which is a good, it's a good translation. It doesn't really mean they accepted it. It doesn't mean they rejected it. They just listened to it and went, wow, wow. Who knows what they left and thought a year later? Who knows what they even thought that night? They just thought, this is crazy. But then this verse, I'm starting to lean towards the ladder. Did they go all throughout Bethlehem or were they telling a bunch of people at the nativity? I'm beginning to lean towards the ladder because of this next verse. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them. If they're going all throughout Bethlehem, that verse doesn't make sense. She has to be there for the story. So is she like wandering with baby Jesus all throughout Bethlehem going, this is the child. I just got back from, I took my kids for, the, for a birthday to Disneyland. You got all these characters wandering around for pictures. I picture Mary and Jesus like... Mm. No, she's not going to follow that. I think she's at the stable. She hears this story, and she has an understanding of this story that I'm going to argue even Joseph doesn't understand. Only she does. And all throughout her life, we're going to encounter Mary pondering, considering, thinking about, wondering about, watching. All throughout her life. Because she has a calling given to her at the beginning of her story, at the beginning of Luke, that goes with her all the way through her life. A calling that I promise you she doesn't understand in its fullness. Do you remember the day she showed up and was like, I'd love to see my son? And he's like, who are my mother and my brothers? Do you think she went home and went, that's clever. I bet she went home and cried. I know how my mom feels. I don't call her enough. I probably ought to. Who are my mother and my... But she has a resiliency based on her calling that is not based on a true understanding of what God's even up to. She just knows God is for her and there's something about her child. You know what I find so moving is at the end of this whole thing, who is still standing at the foot of the cross when all the apostles have ran? The men are nowhere to be found because they're afraid who is still standing at the foot of the cross? The women. Do not tell me that they are weak. Do not tell me that they are the other side, the rib. We'll do that sermon later. We'll do that, we'll do that sermon later. Do not tell me that they are somehow less than when all the men fall on their face in the presence of an angel when all the men run, despite all the masculinity, there's somebody here sitting at the foot of the cross that says, I know what I'm here for, and I may not understand it, but I know where I'm supposed to be. Bring it. There is something that we can learn from Mary and the women of faith in your life. And we don't listen to it, talk about it, or seek it out enough. I I have some implications. (laughs) I'm sweating. Shouldn't have worn the sweater. Uh, I need to invite our uh server to go back, and we're going to move towards our time of the Lord's Supper. If you're visiting with us, we have an open table. And that means if you want to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, your family, you need to be family, you need to join us for our meal today. Just hold on to the bread and hold on to the juice, and we'll take it all together here in just a moment. But I have some implications. God's favor is one of the most difficult things to come to grips with. God's favor is one of the most difficult things to... Co- I was on Facebook this morning. I really should just get off of Facebook. Nothing depresses me about humanity more than Facebook. I'm, I know. If it wasn't such an easy way to communicate. I was reading this thread from one of my staff members with Impact from another part of the country, and they had said something really, really good. But then in the comments below, I'm reading the comment thread... Never do that. Never read the comment thread. Never, ever. Don't read the comment thread. Ever. Um, Below it is like this. I'm totally okay with accepting the fact that I am totally and wholly, wholly with a W, wicked and sinful. Just a sinner saved by the grace of God. Is Is that, by the way, is there truth in that? I am a sinner. Is that true? Yes, it is. Any argument about that? Fantastic, didn't think so. I'm a sinner, saved by the grace of God, amen? Is that the identity that God has asked his people to have in either testament, old or new? It makes for unbelievably wonderful Christian doctrine. Not. But it's not in the text. God's text, from beginning to end, insists on God's favor, God is for humanity. does not mean he likes all your decisions. It doesn't mean you can't rebel against him. It doesn't mean you can't live totally destructively. It doesn't mean, but the fundamental identity that we are to have as human beings made in his image is just that, human beings made in his image, who he loves. God's favor is one of the most, and see, some people write and they're like, well, you're just telling people what they want to hear. This is not a health and wealth prosperity gospel. Do you think Mary felt like this was a health and wealth prosperity gospel as she knelt at the foot of the cross? This is not the same thing that you get on cable Christian television. That's not what I'm talking about. I just talked about resiliency. Why? Because life's going to be incredibly difficult. But you're going to have to have God's favor. To I'm not talking about a health and wealth. That's not at all what I'm talking about. I'm talking about something much deeper and much wider than a health or wealth gospel. And you know what people will write me emails about? They'll write me emails that I talked about God's favor rather than the sin, our sinfulness. God's favor is one of the most difficult things to come to grips with. And we have for ages in all pagan religion assumed God's anger. So that's what lies at the root of all pagan religion. The gods are angry. Of course, the gods are angry. The gods are angry. So what happens when we turn this book into another message of, well, God is angry at you? God's favor is one of the most counterintuitive things that humanity has ever had to come to grips with. It is the thing that bothers Mary amidst the entire discussion with the angel. God's favor? Next. Next. The reality of God's favor, expressed and understood, demands a response. You cannot hear about God's favor and go, oh, good, God is for me. If God is for me, what do I then do? If God is for me, what's the words of Paul? If God is for us, who can be against us? What's the implications of that? That we're all going to sit back and go, whoo? Paul is saying we have to engage this mission of God with steadfast resiliency. Speaking of resiliency, next implication. God's favor is what gives us the resiliency to endure the unforeseen circumstances in our lives. You may feel like somebody who is not to be favored. You may feel like somebody on the outside. You might feel like somebody who for whatever reason or whatever choice or chapter or identity or whatever, you're not You're not on the in. Because you're you're a woman. You're you're not on the in. You're not on the inside. God's favor is what gives us the resiliency to endure the unforeseen circumstances in our lives. No matter whether people understand it or don't understand it, God's favor and calling on your life is what will allow you to look at all the unforeseen circumstances that are going to come your way, and there will be a lot of them, and you will be able to stand up, show up, and keep coming back. Why? Because God is for me. I didn't see this coming. I didn't know where that's going to happen. But I don't care what everybody else says. I know that God is for me and he has something for me in my life. I know that God is doing something in my life and through my life. And I don't need everybody else to affirm it in order for it to be true. Trust me, Mary had a lot of people around her that were like, well, we know about Messiah. And she just pondered everything in her heart she thought about stuff. She had the resiliency that when things came her way and everybody was wrong, she kept showing up. And when everybody else misunderstood it and ran away, her and a bunch of women and John are the only people left to stare into Jesus's face as he hangs on the cross. He says, behold your son, son, behold your mother. Last implication, God's favor is on you as you turn into 2018. Now you might think, who are you to say that? You don't know if God's favor is on me. Yes, I do. I do. We have this weird understanding in our world. Like if I'm, if I'm walking in sin, God's favor isn't on me. No, 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 If you're walking in sin, God's not approved of what you, the way you're rebelling, the way you're not participating in kingdom work. He doesn't approve, but God's favor never leaves you. God is always for you. At all times. Now, what will your response be? That, that is a, your response may need to include some confession, some repentance, some walking in the right path. But make no mistake about it. Every single one of you in the room, God's favor is on you. I, you hold it in your hand. Was this, is this not for you? Is this not for you? because if this is for you then God's favor is on you as you head into 2018 that's what this says every single week God's favor is on you what you do with it is a wonderful question i can't wait to hear the stories hopefully the good ones but share the bad ones too we learn from those but make no mistake about it the bread and the juice say God's favor God's favor Is on every one of you who can hear my voice as you head into 2018. It's what we preached on last week. The Christmas story. Advent was for everyone. And there was no one that wasn't included. God's favor is on you as you turn into 2018. God is for you. What will your response be? That night, Jesus took a piece of bread, he broke it, he gave it to his disciples. He said, Take this and eat. This is my body. Whenever you do this, remember me. Let's remember God's favor as seen in Jesus. And second, Jesus took a cup. Later in that meal, he gave it to his disciples. He said, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant. Whenever you do this, remember me. Let's remember Jesus. Lord God, as we sang worship this morning, I, after just thinking about Mary for the last week or two, I heard Mary singing the words, this is my story, this is my song. God, my prayer would be that we could learn from Mary this morning. We could learn from her. That each one of us would at some point in our life, hopefully after finishing well, could sit on a deathbed or a park bench or a church coffee table or an actual coffee shop table and we could have a conversation that could sound a whole lot like this is my story and this is my song. My prayer, God, is that all of our stories and our songs would begin with a pronouncement of God's favor. And from that favor, we would have an understanding that God is doing something in my life not just his life, not just their life, not just everybody else's life, my life, her life, his life. You're for me and you're doing something. If we released everybody, God, this next year on 2018, every face and story that's in this room, if every single one of us understood the implications of the fact that God was for us and who could be against us, the police would be different. It would change. It would change. I, I know that because it already did in the pages of our New Testament history. God, would you teach us? Would you show us that you love us? That your love isn't just a pity But your love is a choice, a favor, because you're looking for partners. God, we love you. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus this morning. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Real Life. If you'd like more information on who we are, what's happening in our church, and how you can get involved, visit us on Facebook and Twitter, and visit our website, liferotp.com.